Long Beach Sermons, visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Uh, my name is Bill White. My pronouns are he, him. And you'll notice that we use different pronouns for God uh, in worship and in teaching because God doesn't have gender, right? And so often God is called he, which is fine. Uh, but often, <clears throat> why not call God she or they? Uh, and so that's just kind of who we are around City Church. We're open to um, trying to figure out how to connect with this great God. Uh, and so we as a church uh, are committed to this journey. Uh, our vision is to be a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And we're trying to see, like, how do we make the world new? How do we participate with what God is already doing? And so that's why we're here today, and that's why we're here together, because we need each other. Um, we like to pray for our kiddos each week, and Wendy Cantrell is going to pray for our kids and kids around the world, because as we all know, there's plenty of need uh, for that. So uh, if you'd welcome Wendy as she comes to pray for us. Good morning. Dear God, we thank you that you are a God who loves us. We thank you that you love our kids. And I pray, Lord, that our kids would be um, healthy, safe, knowing you, knowing your love, and being able to give it to others. We pray for the children in Palestine and Israel, Lord. We pray for their safety. We pray that they have the food they need, the water they need, the family members um, that they need to support them. We pray for those who are being held hostage, that you would free them from that situation. We pray for those who are making the decisions about these children, that they would remember that they are kids, that they are innocent, and that they need to be taken care of. We pray that you would care for those kids here at Lafayette and pray that we can be um, supporters of this school. Thank you so much for all that you do and all that you give us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Wendy. Thank you so much. Uh, kiddos, if you would like to go and hang out with Wendy and her crew, that will be a delightful time, I am sure. So um, we have the privilege of having Dr. Tracy Chanel back. Dr. T, if you would come up, come on down, come on down. Um, you guys may remember Dr. Tracy, she preached this summer a remarkable sermon on divorce. If you would like to hear a sermon on divorce that you rarely hear in the church and that is so helpful, go back to our, um, our logs and, and read those. Come on up, come on up. Um, so welcome, Dr. Tracy Chanel. Thank you. Um, and so we're in this sermon series on the book of Hebrews, and Dr. Chanel is teaching today on Hebrews chapter 4. Um, I'm super excited to uh, listen in. And our friend Mia Hermida is going to read scripture for us. So if you'd welcome Mia as she comes down, and then we will get into it. Thanks, Mia. 
Uh, and we typically stand in honor of God and God's word. So, and it'll be on the screen there. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9, 11, and 15. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you. Thanks, Leanne. Thank you. Go get it. <laughs> I got to hang out with Bill all day yesterday. Um, and he was like, I'm glad you're preaching tomorrow and not me. <clears throat> um, thank you all for having me back here. Um, let me go ahead and, and pray before I preach, and then we'll jump right in. Yeah? Amen. God, we thank you. We thank you for a day to come together, to be in your presence with one another, and to observe the Sabbath. We thank you, God, that you are always with us. We ask, Lord, that you would be with us as we sit and listen. Would you stir in our hearts the thing that we need the most? Would you open our ears? Would you open our minds? Would you open our hearts? And would you give me the insight to continue to share with your beloved community what needs to be shared today? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us make every effort to enter into that rest. That's what this passage is talking about. God's rest, Sabbath rest. But what does it actually mean to enter into that rest? Is it a rest that's reserved for some future date and time? Is it a rest that we'll get to enjoy in the sweet by and by? Is it something that only a couple people are invited to? Or is it something that we get in this life? Sabbath and rest. These are words that are often tossed around a lot. Sabbath, particularly in religious circles. But few folks actually know what it even means. They just know it means we shouldn't work. We shouldn't do anything. Stay at home. Go to church. We've observed the Sabbath. And in many regards, it's the thing we say and we know and feel like we ought to do, we ought to rest. But most of us have no idea how to even begin to rest. When you hear the word Sabbath, when you hear the word rest, what comes to mind for you? What do you hear? What do you think? That wasn't a rhetorical question. You can answer. I hear y'all talk back, so talk back. Sleep. What'd you say? Exhale. Exhale. Ooh, I like that one. <laughs> That's another way of rest, right? Exhale. What else? What else? What else? Family. Sabbath. Rest. What do you? What comes to mind when you think of these? Silence. Silence. Hmm. Yeah. 
stillness. Yeah. Say that one more time. Unscheduled time. Yeah, yeah. All these different things. We all have different ideas about what rest is and what we think rest could be. And so often, rest becomes this thing on Sunday that we do to kind of do no work, hang out with our family, be still, all of these different things. But sometimes there are so many things that have happened in our day, in our life, that actually prevent us from entering into rest. We spend so much time throughout our week going back and forth, doing so many things, keeping ourselves ridiculously busy that we end up falling under the weight of everything we've had to do and simply maybe sleeping because our body needs to, but never waking fully rested, right? So, and for some people, Sabbath is about finding time to do some types of self-care, right? But then oftentimes it becomes a whole nother thing to do on a to-do list. In this passage, the author, and because we don't really know who actually wrote the book, and there's a lot of evidence that states that it probably could have been a she, we're going to talk about her like she is a she, so she is a she who wrote this book. A few times in this verse, in verse 3 and then in verse 7, the author begins to quote Psalms 95. And so when she quotes this, this part that David is talking about, everybody else would have known what she was talking about. So it's important for us to make sure we actually have an understanding of what it is she's quoting. And in Psalms 95, I think it's on the screen, or maybe it will be, it says, do not harden your hearts as you did at Mirabah, or as you did on that day in Massabah, in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. So here in Psalms 95, David is kind of reminding the community of a time during their journey in which they were quarreling and testing God. You see, beloved, when God decided to liberate the people of God from bondage and slavery, he could have took them a short route to get into the promised land, but he took them on this roundabout route in the desert mostly because God didn't want them to have to encounter war right away. And he wanted them to have time to prepare. And so they spent this time traveling in the wilderness. And after being liberated and receiving their freedom, they still had a slavery mentality. You spend so much time in bondage and in slavery, it begins to shape how you think, how you act and how you do, right? And so while they've been liberated and they've seen everything that God has done, the way in which God brought them out of Egypt, right? They see the Red Sea, they see all of these miraculous things that God has done, and they've been liberated. And now they're wandering through the desert, and you know what they start doing? The same thing my kids start doing when I get in a car taking them someplace, they ask me to take them. Are we there yet? Did you bring any snacks? Like, man, mom, why is this taking so long? 
they start grumbling and complaining and asking and saying, you know what? It would have been better if we had just stayed back in Egypt. Because in Egypt, at least we had a whole bunch of meat to eat, right? They had this idea that their time and place and space in Egypt was better because everything was right there for them to just simply take. And so they're complaining about this. They're complaining about not having food. They're complaining about not having enough meat. And so God, what does God do? What does God do? Y'all know the story? What does God do? Y'all talk back, so y'all gonna talk back today. (laughs) He gives them meat, lots of meat. He gives them quail, he gives them manna from heaven and they're fine okay but some of them you know they kind of hoard it right and then the next day it becomes maggots right but god provides in this miraculous way so they continue on in the journey and then they get to another place and now they're like uh did you just leave us out here to die or something god because there's nothing to drink right and God provides water for them. But because of all of the bickering, quarreling, and all of this other thing, before they get into the promised land, God is like, forget it. Y'all ain't coming into this place. Because all you do is complain about what you don't have, right? And a huge reason that they spent all this time complaining is they had spent so much time in captivity that how they thought, how they act, how they engage was shaped by this slavery mentality and bondage, right? And so it was only gonna be Joshua and Caleb and the next generation who would enter into this place. And in their heart, they, they had this illusion of what freedom would mean, right? And the next generation would be the one who would actually be able to see it. They had gotten so used to living a life that was shaped by Pharaoh and the whole brick making regime, right? When they were in Egypt, all they had to do was work on the assembly line, work, 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 sit down and eat, drink our water, go to sleep and wake and do it again, right? That was the rhythm, the routine that they had to do and to live into. And for them, that seemed normal. For them, their bondage seemed okay in some ways, right? You put generations in in bondage for so long, they began to think that this is how things are supposed to do, right? And there's this constant way of laboring that they had gotten so used to doing and being on the assembly line, used to clocking in and never really clocking out. Recently, my eldest decided that we should go see this musical, Town. Have you guys heard of it? Have you seen it? All right, it's amazing. Um, and I have to admit, when I realized it was two and a half hours, I looked at them like, <laughs> two and a half hours of people just singing? <sighs> I love you, we gonna do this, we gonna do this, right? But it's an interesting story, right? And it's supposed to be a love story, which it is, about these two people trying to navigate love in the midst of a broken world, in the midst of poverty, in the midst of all the things that they don't have. And the main character kind of finds herself in this situation where she is 
overwhelmed by what she does not have. She's tired, she's hungry, and she's tired of waiting on this idea that his song is gonna bring spring and life will be brought forth. And she's like, yo song ain't making me have the food I need to eat, forget this mess. I'ma just sign a deal with Hades where I don't have to worry about food anymore, right? I want to be free because it was like this idea that if you go to Hades town, you will be free, right? And so I want us to actually listen to the song after she gets to Hades town and she starts to learn about what that freedom actually is. So they're going to play a song and I want you to look at the lyrics, listen to the lyrics, because it's super important for us to see this whole idea. I'm going to move out the way. That's what they did too. Now in Hades Town, there were a lot of souls. Keep your head, keep your head. Working on the wall with all their might. Oh, you gotta keep your head. You see, they kept their heads down low. If you wanna keep your head, couldn't quite see their faces right. But you could hear them singing. Swinging their hammers in the cold hard ground You can hear the sound of the pickaxe ringing if you wanna keep And they head. called it freedom I'm Eurydice Doesn't anybody hear me? They can hear, but they don't care No one has named them Mr. Hades set you free To work yourself into the ground was instead was dead, dead to the world anyway. 
You see, she went behind those doors and signed her life away. Sun and wheel up in the sky. Heard the big bell tolling. A lot of souls have got to die to keep the rust bell rolling. A lot of spirits got to break to make the underworld go round. Way down. So in the musical, what you see is these workers who have lost their ability to see, lost their ability to see one another because they've spent all of their time bent over working. Not only have they lost their ability to see one another, they have lost their ability to remember who they are. They have spent so much time working on the assembly line that they lose bits and pieces of who they are. And as I heard this song, as I was sitting there, I thought about our lives and our rhythms and the ways in which we so often become so consumed with all we feel like we have to do in order to get an illusion of freedom that we lose our ability to see one another, that we lose our ability to see ourselves, that we lose ourselves within the work and all of what it is. And we find ourselves much in the same way, enslaved by the work, enslaved by the hustle and bustle of moving back and forth, never having any time to breathe at all. And what's so interesting about this song is how as they worked on this wall and became chained, they began to lose so many pieces, right? And the thing about it, it reminds us of the bondage that some of us also enter into when we continue to have this perpetual way of moving without ever stopping. And that's what God wanted to remind the people of God about how when they were in Egypt, this was their rhythm of life, being constantly bent over building bricks and making and doing, so much so that they had no space to come up for rest. They had spent their entire lives this way, which is why once they leave at Sinai, at the Mount Sinai, that's when God begins to give them the Ten Commandments, right? And as he's doing this, there's a huge thing that God puts in the middle of the Ten Commandments. And it says in, in Exodus 10, Exodus sorry, 20, verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town. For in the six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the seas and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. 
Walter Brueggemann in his book on Sabbath as resistance remind us that the Sabbath is like this crucial bridge in the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments, look back, look, look back, right? And then the, the first three, the first three commandments and the, the rest look forward on what it means for us to, to rest. I think I copied the quote in there wrong, right? At the same time, it says the Sabbath commandment looks forward to the last six commandments that concerns the neighbors. So essentially what he's telling us and reminding us that the whole idea of the Sabbath is put right in the middle of the Ten Commandments because it's reminding us that that needs to center all of how we engage, how we do, how we act. And so Sabbath is not just this thing that happens in isolation on one day. Sabbath is a way of living and being right and that's very different than this thing that you do over here on the side sabbath is about reorientating our whole way of being so that we have this spaciousness within us to not just rest but also to begin to reimagine the world as it should be and as it could be but in order for us to do that we have to keep the keep the Sabbath, and it requires that we resist all of the things in the world that would move us away from it. Walter Brueggemann talks about how we have to resist anxiety. When you have this pressure to perform and to work and to do, that can be a very anxious way of living. Resisting coercion, which is this whole way of making and doing things in such a way that um, the people of God ended up kind of constructing their this whole golden calf for themselves, right? Resisting exclusion instead of creating space for inclusion and resisting multitasking. The Sabbath commandment is drawn into the Exodus narrative for the God who rests is the God who emancipates us and calls us to rest as well. Chapter seven of this verse that we're looking says, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This God did when a long time later, God spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken again about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God rests also rests from their work, just as God rested from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Beloved, in order for us to enter into rest, it requires action and movement and exodus away from the things that would keep us bound, the things that would keep us enchained be it in our minds or whatnot. Even if that is a movement to move you towards being still, it is a movement none the same. Entering into the Sabbath rest is about creating the spaciousness that you need in order to engage and be able to begin to reimagine. In the book of Hebrews, the writer, she reminds us that this is an invitation for us today, so long as it is called today. It is not about this one-time thing we do every week or every 70 years. It is something we ought to do so long as it is called today. So she tells us that rest, rest is something that we need to inhabit 
after we've worked ourselves tirelessly to the point where we are about to collapse, we need to live in a different way and a different rhythm. So beloved, today we must begin to reimagine what rest might mean for us. And even as the author tells us, this is something that Jesus understood. She says in verse 14 to 15, that Jesus is able to empathize with us and models for us a different way of living. Jesus kept the Sabbath and Jesus had a real cool vibe and he was pretty chill. He would leave his disciples and go do something completely different. And they're like, where's Jesus? He's resting, he's doing what he needed to do. And Jesus did not spend 24 seven healing people and teaching people, he didn't. Jesus had the same type of rhythm that God modeled for us in Genesis one. God woke, he spoke, he created, and it was the end of the day. And it happened over and over and over, but there was an end to it, right? It wasn't this perpetual ongoing movement. That's why we rest is something we need to do, not on an occasion, but so long as it's called today. I wanna share a little bit about myself and my life and trying to learn how to do this whole thing called rest. Before the pandemic, I was used to working like 50 to 60 hours a week or something like that, because I had two jobs, had two kids, and um, I was working on my doctorate. And, you know, as a mom, you also have that mental load of like all of the organization for the household. And then you have your second shift of all the things you have to do in your house. So we'll pretend like 60 is real, but you guys know it was probably more than that. Um, and I would just work, 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 get home, feed the kids, do all this stuff, go to bed, wake up and do it again. And it was killing me and I didn't even know it because you kind of get used to it. Your body gets used to it and you just adjust in some ways until you stop and you start to realize things are out of whack in your body, mind and soul. And I had gotten so used to that rhythm that I didn't even realize how horrible it was it was on me and then the pandemic hit right y'all remember that thing called the pandemic that we're kind of sort of still living in but not really and it shifted things for everybody right everybody kind of stayed at home people kind of changed their rhythms people started sitting down at the dinner table and looking people in the eyes and having conversations while they were talking they put their cell phones away do y'all remember when that happened like it felt like it was so long ago right and everybody was like this is the greatest thing well not the greatest but this is the greatest thing right in this way right because nobody knew how long it would be and then people were like Ugh. I need to get back to work. This is crazy. We need to get back, we need to get back, we need to get back to the way things were, right? As though the way things were, were actually healthy for us. There was this desire to get back to all of these things. And so I made a commitment during the pandemic, I would not go back to that way of life, right? I said I wasn't gonna do it, so I quit a bunch of jobs. Um, and said, okay, God, I'm gonna trust that you're gonna help me take care of all this stuff called food and rent and all this other stuff, right? And um, fast forward three years later and my kids still need to eat and like businesses take a long time to get off the ground. And so that meant you have to have supplemental income, right? And other, all these other things. 
And so when Bill reached out to me, it was like in August and asked me to come preach. I was like, cool, I can preach about rest. I know how to rest. I have great rhythms. This is so great, especially during the pandemic. I knew how to do this. And then my life went like this. And I looked at my calendar and I was like, oh, there's something happening every week. And oh, I'm subbing like four days a week. And oh, I have this data entry thing. And before I knew it, my rhythms and everything was out of whack and out of balance. And right before I went out of town for the last retreat, I had two days of back-to-back -back subbing and I was sitting in the bed and I was like, this is something's got to change. Something's got to shift because I don't feel rested. I don't feel whole. I don't feel okay. And one of the things that I realized is in every season, we've got to readjust our rhythms in such a way that we can still embody rest in a good way. And so what that meant for me is though, even though none of the meetings necessarily moved off of my calendar, my approach and how I began to engage in those things totally shifted because I decided I needed to check my speed limit and slow down. And it was funny, as I was walking to school, um, as I was walking to school, right, as I was walking to the, to the class, they put the, you know, the little things that said, what's your speed limit? And I realized that's what my speed limit kind of needed to be in life. I didn't need to go 60 miles an hour, but I needed to slow down. And so what that meant for me that morning as I got ready to work two different shifts at two different jobs is I needed to stop and just move slower through my day. That meant I needed to stop and be mindful as I ate my breakfast, tasting all of the things and enjoying my oatmeal, right? That meant that I needed to take a little bit longer as I walked to work. That meant that I needed to just stop and breathe when the third graders were not listening, when Ms. Stringer said, sit down, right? And I needed to cultivate different rhythms throughout my day that invited rest into me and into my life. Beloved, so often we have gotten used to going 60 miles an hour, and we don't even realize how detrimental it is to our body, mind, and soul. Beloved, we need to learn how to resist this urge to continue to move quickly and get everything done. We need to constantly realign ourselves. And it's easy to do the right realignment when you're on a retreat or you're chilling in a jacuzzi and you're having a self-care day, but it's a lot harder when everything is busy. And so what I want us to do, because this isn't one of those sermons that I preach and then you go, this is one of those sermons that I really want you guys to sit and think about some things, right? So before I do that, I wanna model some things for you all because we all have lots of things happen in our lives, but I wanna model for you all one thing you can do to stop, be still throughout your day. Y'all okay with that? Yeah. Okay. So what I want you all to do, I'm gonna walk you guys through a mindfulness and body awareness thing. Y'all cool? So get comfortable wherever you are. If you need to stand, stand. If you want to sit, sit. If you wanna keep your eyes open, keep them open. But just listen to me as I guide you through this. 
Beloved, I want you to begin to bring attention to your body. Take one deep breath in and exhale. And as you breathe in and out a couple more times at your own pace, notice your breath, notice your body. Notice your body and how it feels against the seat or how your feet feel against the floor. Continue taking a few deep, long breaths within you. Notice as you breathe in and out, are there places within your body that are tense? Feel free to allow it to relax as you in, breathe in and exhale. Bring attention to your legs. Are they clenched? Are they tight? Do they need to be relaxed? What about your neck, your jaw? your hands, your head, where in your body does it need to relax and release tension? Take a couple more deep breaths in and out. And as you breathe in and out these last couple times, I want you to begin to think about what you need to create a lifestyle of rest. Begin to imagine what Sabbath looks like on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. Take a couple more deep breaths in and out. And whenever you're ready, return to your gaze to normal. There'll be a couple questions up here. And in this stillness and in this quiet, I want you guys to think about these things. So often we hear sermons and things, and then we just go about our merry way. But the reason that the author of Hebrews is reminding us about Sabbath is because if we take it seriously, it has this way of transforming our lives and transforming the world. Sabbath is not that thing we do at the end of the week. Sabbath is the thing we do at the beginning that then shifts and shapes our viewpoint as we engage and encounter in the rest of the day, the rest of the week, the rest of our future. And so I want you to imagine and think about the things you need to do in order to take movement towards entering God's rest. What are the things that are keeping you from entering God's rest? What does rest look like for you? And what are ways can you cultivate new rhythms of rest, work, 
and play in your life. I'll give you guys a minute to think about that because maybe you're introverted like me. It's okay. Emergencies happen. Grateful they're there. Today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest. God's rest also rests from their work. Beloved, I hope and pray that as you continue to think about rest, that you would enter into God's rest by exiting the things that keep you in bondage in your mind and in your body and in your soul. Amen. I want to invite Lewis up to pray for us. <laughs>